0: Hi there, I'm Birgit O'Connor, and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking to a few different artists, where we're going to discuss what it's like to use one color in a painting, the wet-and-wet application, drying times, how to move away from the analytical side of your brain more into the creative process, why highlights make such a difference in a painting, and a review of Indian handmade paper. We'll also talk about the jurying process and shows, and what do you do when there's a paper shortage during the COVID crisis. So there's a lot of things that we'll be talking about. I think you'll
1: find this interesting, so let's get started. Today's our competition's day at our Art Society, so I've got five paintings ready to enter, and uh, I've been busy painting the last couple of weeks towards it, so yeah, very exciting
0: so deb do you have a um website or
1: can yes, i pull it I, up just just i just have an instagram page i have a, a facebook page but my i have an instagram page um which is deb clark at nz all right so did you say deb clark okay there we go so we can see all your paintings there oh my gosh did you do that live? yes But I went on the dark, that's when I said I went on the dark side and I did it in acrylic. Gorgeous.
2: Wow. I love your birds,
0: you know. I'm really, really drawn to your birds. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. I've I've just done a couple of um, paintings for our competitions I could hold up and show you, Birgit, that are a bit different. And I used really completely different techniques for them. I'll show you. Okay. So um, that's like a wet-into-wet technique
0: right there? Or yeah. Or how did you handle that?
1: Yeah, so it's wet-into-wet wet, and it's for a It's for a competition category called um, black and white. So we're only allowed to use one tube of um, single-pigment black paint, nothing else. What? And so oh, I use wow. Lamp Black. I use Winsor & Newton Lamp Black for that.
0: And so what do you think? I mean, it has a tendency. Doesn't it have a tendency to granulate or
1: separate? and Yes, and that was the whole idea of it, to, to get that fluffy tail and the, and the fur. Oh, you can wow. wow. Can you see? See how I've let it run yeah. where I needed to let it run? Anyway, it was no, a bit of fun. gorgeous. And I did this. Um, I, I just didn't get it. I did this. Um, I decided to enter the figure study section of the category. So I've done this. Mm-hmm. Arena. I did a little cause with Anna Ivanova on um, artifacto. she's a Russian girl. And that was um, a bit of fun, just seeing different techniques, yeah. So when it came (laughs) to your cat, when you did that beautiful fluffy
0: tail, did you use, uh, (laughs) what paper is that? What kind of paper? And tell us Uh, about that because the bleeding of that is gorgeous.
1: um, So I used um, Fabriano 300 pound uh, cold press and um, I wet the back first. I really wet the back and then I wet the front and then I waited for about 20 minutes and then I did the body first and left the ears and the bit that I didn't want to be so um, um, fuzzy till the last bit like the legs and the ears I didn't do those till, till at the end and then I let that completely dry and then I did the same thing again and then I did the tail because it was too much to cope with paint running everywhere and um, have that tail turning up like an east bend <laughs> I love that tail. You know, it just the way it
0: spreads is fabulous. Yeah. So you did the body first, yeah. right? Yeah. And what's fascinating, which is so different than what I've ever done, is that you've wet the background and the paper first, the top, yeah. right? And so that, and just then, to slow it down, slow the drying down. And that would be very helpful, I would imagine, for Georgia, right? Because and um, down there in New Mexico and in Texas, yeah. And, and that was Fabriano that you used, correct? Cold press. And so what did you think? If you tried the hot – the hot press wouldn't flow in the same way.
1: It's a really fun technique. And um, I'm going to try with hot press paper, but I don't know that you'd get the little um – The bits sort of spreading out. You know, it's what we try and avoid in normal paintings. You try and enhance in a painting like
0: that. What I loved is how even that is. And it's fascinating to think about that with the Fabriano because, as we know, paper makes such a difference. I always paint, I mean, I wet the the paper, I create a bubble on the surface, but I don't wet the back. And I know that. Um, quite a few, or some artists I know, will uh, wet the back just to keep it damp longer. So I like that idea a lot. I want to experiment with that.
1: I okay. guess it depends where you live, too, because, you know, as you've often seen, it, um, it depends on your climate as to how fast your paper dries out. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, if if you give you, if you wet the back as well, been, and this is the only one that I've done that on, um, it gives you plenty of time.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and Diane we, had a question. What, what, what weight was the paper? Sorry, are, is it 300 mm-hmm. pounds?
1: You yes. It back
3: and then you leave it loose. You're not attaching it to a board after you've wet it.
4: No,
1: I never attach it to a board. I'm lazy. Oh,
0: that's fabulous. Yeah, I like
1: this idea.
0: I think it would be fun for our group to do something where they would choose one color. We could choose black. That would be easier. And choose... <laughs> an animal or something, if they want to do that, it gives you a project like maybe for this next week, if you feel like it, you know, and, um, or the next two weeks, whatever you feel like, I, I like that idea. And then we need to go back into our speed painting at some point. I think that would be fun. We need to do that. Let's get through the 4th of July and yeah. then, then think about that. Yeah. So, oh, gay. Hi, gay. Hi. Gay. uh I don't know if you all know Gay. She has been over uh, in my other group and she is just joining us now. I'll just quickly introduce myself. Um, I'm with
5: the San Diego Watercolor Society. And um, so Birgit has um, allowed me to come join this group and I'm really happy to be here. Um, I just had a quick question for Debbie, though, about her tail. I mean, I, I'm in love with that tail, too. <laughs> um and the fluffiness of it that you got, I mean, what sort of uh, brush were you using and and what? how did you get that real fluffiness?
1: This is the first one that I did.
5: Oh. Hold
1: but on. I with his, his body was too big and his <laughs> eyes were too small, so I did another one. But you have some <laughs> great
5: fluffiness in that too, and um, I would be interested in how you
0: managed to do that. Why don't you explain the process again? This is so interesting to comparison. That is amazing. Wow. Interesting.
1: Really interesting here. So why don't you walk us through this? This is the first one you did. Yeah. And so I put my I put the paint on too early. And so it went a long way. That's why it ended up the body ended up so big. So I did the um yeah, it's it's you, you have to wait until the paper is uh it's got a, a little sheen on it but not super wet for. Yeah. because you can always you can always add more water but it's best it's best not to and um I used a number 14 brush for the tail. Was it a natural? Is it a blend? Uh, is it sable uh, S- one of one of your sable synthetics?
0: Oh you used uh, one of those one of my brushes. Okay, that's good to know because I thought
1: did you use some exotic goat airbrush? <laughs> when it was almost dry with a almost dry brush on the, uh, you probably can't see it very well, but on the left-hand side, uh, yeah, where the light's coming from, I lifted some of the color out and streaks on the tail. Oh,
0: Just, you that's okay. That's because I was wondering
1: nice. how oh, you got this. So it's wow. lighter on the left because that's where the light's coming from. And it's, uh-huh. then it's darker. And oh, then I was oh, really hi. brave. And when it, when it was completely dry, and I was, I was really brave and used really clean water and a big hockey brush and wet it again and then just did one – and I just did one sweep and darkened the other side of the tail. So Okay, so it was dry and then you came in with the hockey brush. That tail started with a single stroke. It started with and a just, single stroke. And, 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 um, and it just all flowed out from there. And then with the hockey brush, did you go over the tail or along the side? Um, No, when I wet it, I wet the whole top half of the page again. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. That is brave of you. I'll just say that. (laughs) I keep saying to myself, it's only a piece of paper. I know, but it's brave. That is such a gorgeous, I mean, really,
0: we can get lost in that tail. That is so pretty. And then over on this side, this looks like the cat that's coming to my house now. (laughs) <laughs> a little
5: yeah. Yeah. I'm busily writing notes <laughs> about how you did that tail because I—that's—I love that. You really got the fluffiness.
1: Oh, oh um, if you go onto the internet, there's a, quite a few artists who. Well, there's a couple of artists who specialize in just that style of painting, and one is called Shatanushka um, or something like that. If you Google it. Fluffy Cats and Shattanooska, and he does this fantastic array of kittens and little cats playing with balls and jumping off things, and he's just so incredibly clever, and he just does it with his eyes closed. But it's wonderful to see. With with what I was doing, I was limited to only black, but you can go wild with with granulating colours and, yeah, just a bit of fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think I should do one YouTube. for my uncle. He would love that.
1: Yeah.
5: YouTube is a great resource, I'm finding, for how to do certain things.
0: <laughs> is anybody working on something that feel, do you feel challenged or uh, a new discovery of anything? Yeah, hi. I
4: would like to add that um, that tail looks as though the cat just flicked its tail. It has a, a motion. It's awesome.
1: Way to go. Oh, thank you. I love it. It's it's a bit of luck, and um, you have to hold your tongue in your left cheek, and it's like rounding up (laughs) (laughs) wildcats.
0: Thanks for that inspiring display. (laughs) I love that. Shirley, what are you working on? I am getting ready for my kelp class, so I've been printing out my uh, line drawings and getting the sketch on the paper. So what's going to happen is, I think that you're going to get dizzy, don't you think, Sue? Did you see that the videos? It's like because I spin, I spin it. Not only is it a lot of um, lines, it's going to be like you're going to be balancing little um, plates getting, on steps. Oh, oh I'm look, getting there. lost she, already. Yeah, good job this with is your is high Bowen. I am giving you, which I don't normally do, I'm giving you different sizes that you can work on, right? I honestly think that each size is going to take the same amount of time as if you did a full sheet. So, so what did you think looking at the lessons? And since you're working your way through, what what is I like? I am spinning it a lot.
2: Yeah, but it's it it's it, it it's you have to to get the access to the uh, edges that you want to create and mm. that's just part of this process i think uh, Mary's been working on hers too she can probably add uh, but it's it's been fascinating to uh, to work with to go back to that move in the water and keeping the highlight and and it is going to be a challenge to keep track of where I am because I am already getting lost in my in my fronds.
0: Well, you know what was interesting when I did this one again is that I used um, I used the arches paper. I used the backside. I th- I think I used the backside, wherever I put it. I think I used the backside of it just because I wanted the different surface. I wanted a smoother surface. I didn't want the texture the same way. And I found that the color wasn't flowing the same way that it did originally. I also came back to use a brush that I hadn't used in what, 20 or 30 years, which inspired me. I put an order in and hopefully I will get that. And um, I mean, I can't believe that it took me 30 years to find it again, shocking. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. And um, Mary, have, have you been working on yours? Yes. And I'm doing a full sheet. I love it. So what do you think about what you're doing? And what do you think about the process?
3: It just feels so right. So um, I'm back doing, you know, I'm the full sheet is a lot of fun. You know, stuff gets out of control. It's okay. Doesn't bother me. Going back in to a lot of the what you've already started to to go and then have to go back in and layer is really tricky. And you say that all the time. This is tricky. Get enough color. (laughs) And Uh the kelp number nine video Uh has so much meat in it. There's so much. I mean, to go through that. I haven't even put the shadows in. I'm just going I'm doing some of the layering right now, but I'm loving it. I, I well, knew so
0: I. Would. At, well, so looking at this because you know there are places that you can stop. You know, it, because every painting is going to have that ugly duckling stage. I usually call it the teenager stage. You know, where it's a little kind of a little wonky. This is definitely I, not it. But what I'm trying to do is warn you that if you, you know, getting into the shadows. It can get to the place It's like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? But that's how we're getting the depth in here, you know. So, you know, you can stop now, keep on going, get the shadows in. It's going to be an experience, you know. So what do you think? I've been taking pictures of it
3: as I – this is what I do with all the paintings I do is I take pictures of it every day or, you know, when I add something so I can see it. I guess some people in a mirror, some people, I don't know what, but I take pictures of it along the way. So I I am really enjoying going at my glacial pace and just
0: having fun with it. You know, I come out and- It's very time consuming, this one, don't you
2: think? Well, I'd like to say that what I experienced for maybe one of the first times ever was a zen-like quality that I just got lost in the movement of the water and the paint, and I said, "Dang, this is this is cool." So mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a zen quality to painting this one.
1: Can I? I think it's fabulous. Well done, Mary. Can I ask a question? Can I just ask what are the main colors you've used in that, Mary? The colors are, uh, quinopridone gold, which I hardly ever use
3: because it's to me it's like betadine. You know the the, the island, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's real tricky. But with this, you just go to town. And I've used some burnt umber. I've used cobalt blue, some of the um, French ultramarine blue, which you know granulates, and some of it's a little strong. But since I've got shadows to come in after, I'm not getting all twisted about you know stuff that I'm just going with the flow, and I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Bergen. <laughs> oh,
0: you're welcome. With the um, with the Zen quality, it is like that. You know, we are here. This composition is bringing you really kind of into my mind. You know, where what I how I got my name out there. Like I was looking at this, thinking, you know, this could use a little more depth. I say, okay, how did I do this? Does it go that way? I think it goes that way. So uh, I would do these really large, you know, maybe a a 40, 30 by 40. And looking at this now, I I think it's a little pale. It's a little soft. I have a tendency of going more dramatic. This is very similar to the kelp. You know, it's that idea. And it brings you into a different part of your brain because you, especially when we are rotating the painting, because you're not, um, you're not, logically thinking, oh, this petal belongs to this. You have to go
1: into a different place. Um I'd never seen um kelp like that in true life before. And recently we had a little road trip to um the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand. And he was this uh-huh. kelp and some of it was maybe four or six inches wide. And one of the things and the, the waves were crashing over it and then receding. One of the things that was so beautiful about it was the highlights from it being wet. So I would just say to you, keep your highlights and it'll look as if it's beautiful and wet on the shore. Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> you see how dark that <laughs>
0: Wow. Because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, so trying to get that really dark. Yes, yeah, so we want the highlights, and especially if you take it out of the water, then they're not necessarily as gorgeous, you know, they start to dry. So we have to create it and take advantage of those highlights. And the first ones that I had were just a few ribbons and playing with that, just like a rectangular bar, but more in a ribbon. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. And I could totally understand
6: not wanting to do it over again. Totally get that. So... I wanted to show you something. Um, We were talking about the Indian paper a couple of weeks ago. Tell us about it. Okay. Um, It works much better, I think, if you have a thicker paint. For me, I was noticing that the pigments sort of congregated wherever the paper buckled when it was wet. And you can see that it's quite textured. Um, It's much more textured than that, but those areas of dark pigment collection are the nooks and crannies in the paper, and like I said, where the paper, you know, sunk in from the water. Um, It does say the paper, this Indian paper, is internally and externally sized, which um, I can see that, you know, on the edges, but when I try to do a bleed out Um, I couldn't get a soft edge as you can see up in the upper right there and I think it might be good for some techniques but I would really practice on this and and get the technique that I like might be great for a big bunch of small flowers or something but um, I don't think I'm going to try it on a major painting just yet but I wanted Mm -hmm. to play around with it and you can see white spots and everything where the paint doesn't go. So it's not real consistent, but in some applications, it may be really nice to do. Well, it seems like, you know, each paper works
0: well for different things. Mm -hmm. So we just haven't found what this paper works really well for. I personally, maybe, so if I don't know, I haven't played with it. I have some here uh so do you think if you came in just intentionally being really sloppy with it and doing the wet into wet it would work
6: better or do you think it works better for a more controlled uh painting i think it's um wet on wet would be better Mm -hmm. because um there are so many if you wanted to do a real tight painting with more control the bumps in the ridges are noticeable they're very uh just you know they're all over it looks like you made homemade paper where you've got lots of ridges and bumps and holes and nooks and crannies and you don't have that much control if you wanted to outline something and have it be, you know, nice and smooth you're going to get gaps in their your edges and then you're going to try and fix them and then they're going to go everywhere it's a much looser it, it
0: would be interesting has anybody else tried this paper
2: I have tried, not that paper, but I have Kati, a khadi which is Indian handmade paper that um, is a, um, in a sketchbook, a you know, watercolor sketchbook. And I really like it because it's sort of unpredictable. <laughs> it's um, not sized uniformly. So it does... Have kind of a rustic look to it. Um, So for a watercolor sketch, somewhere where I'm just sketching and just painting, it's it's kind of fun. Uh, But I wouldn't want to do it for you know any real work. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it wouldn't work for like the kelp, where I don't think I cannot. I I can't Mm -hmm. say that I haven't tried. So yeah.
7: You know, I like to do like little things that every once in a while, I finished the big bird thing that I did, which didn't Uh get, which was not very well acclaimed. Actually, nobody seems to like it, but me, (laughs) I love it, (laughs) which I guess is an important lesson. So I did the dog and now I'm ready to like do some lessons. I think I just need something that is like, you know, I just need some lessons, I think. Um, But that's where I'm at.
0: I just wanted to mention to you that uh, what ends up happening is the, the paintings that you like the most will not necessarily be ones that get into a show. The ones that you like the least or could care less about could be award winners. Just so you know.
7: That's really uh, odd. I find that very um, disconcerting because I've been invited to join another show. I, um, I have my my landscape is going to the state level now, so that's going on in August, and then I've got another one that's due in October, and I don't know how much to bother with any of that stuff. Um, I kind of would like my paintings out there um, somewhere, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So, Gay, I'm curious. I'm going to try to come back to this uh, in a second. Do you, since you've probably been involved in the judging process, and the same thing for uh, Debbie if she's with us still? Yeah, there you are that uh, if you've been in the judging process, do you have any comments that you can share with Anita on what judges are looking for or what have you found from your experience um, that would be helpful for her? Like, you know, I'm sure, do you hear anything from the judges, from other judges? Yeah, we, we try
5: to um, do our jury for our member shows. Uh, that's kind of hands-off. I mean, it, we uh let the juror do, do their thing and but we have now uh for the award winners we do post jurors comments on our website and so um if anybody wanted wants to go to our website which is sdws.org you can look up our shows and then you can see juror comments for the award winners which I think are very helpful because then you I, I I would say the number one thing that jurors look for is composition and the number two thing they look for is value. And um, so I try to keep those in my mind when I'm painting something that I want to put in a show. Um, and then another interesting thing I heard someone say that, that does juring is to, put a little red in your painting that, that look for red. And uh, there was red in that painting that I did, but uh, that I just did, but uh, maybe that's why I didn't get an
0: award. (laughs) Like if you listen to some of the things that I've said before, when to our members groups, when I'm looking at the award winners, is like even one that I didn't want to give an award to was a stronger painting. And with a stronger painting compared to this, I mean, it would make no sense to give this one the award when this is stronger. Yeah, right,
1: right. And yeah, what do you think? Um, I totally agree with you, Gay. Um, I think that composition and value, and when you, she's, I think, are you Gay talking about um, the the range of darks and lights? I mean, if you're just doing a pencil painting, you know, really soft colors, that's fine. But I think that the biggest I have I haven't been involved with um judging. I'm not at that level, but um, you know, hearing lots of comments from judges about artworks, um it, it seems that if you've got a nice um contrast, then that makes um your focal point appealing and uh, yeah, so it's I agree, it's values is really important and it's the thing that seems to be forgotten the most, you know, when you walk around a um, like our competitions, for example, I've often walked around with a really experienced uh, member and um, that comment comes up all the time. She needed more, you know, that person needed to put more contrast in there, more darks, more lights or whatever, rather than all midtones. So I agree.
7: Exhibitions that I've entered are all multimedia and I cannot even imagine having to compare right. a fibre art to a sculpture, to a painting. I mean, it's amazing to me and it's not very important to me. Um, except that it's uh, a way for me to uh, get into the society of other people, you know, of of other artists. It's interesting. And when I go look at the work, it's like there's this top third of like, whoa, really exciting and interesting and amazing work. then there's this kind of middle, which is where I think I belong. You know, I'm in the middle. And then there are people who are fairly beginners who are just starting out. And you can see that it's not, the technique isn't quite there yet and so every every competition i've looked at they they seem to have those three areas you know the beginners the middle people and the and the really excellent artists whatever medium it is so i you know i i like uh this group has been very helpful for me especially in the pandemic um and again i'm you know 3 years ago i was a business consultant i this is so new for me every every step along the way has been a interesting journey and and it's interesting to watch the other people, too. I was uh, When we were talking about somebody was doing a full sheet, I, and I did a full sheet, and I thought, I always stand. I stand when I paint full sheets. Does everybody stand when they paint full sheets?
1: No, I generally sit, but I often have my paper on a bit of a tilt so that I, get, I can see better. Sometimes I stand, depends what I'm doing, but no, I generally sit.
7: I, mm-hmm. I have to turn mine around.
1: Yeah, I hear uh, my paper
0: a lot. So, oh, Georgia, your hands up. Do you have a question or comment? Yeah, I was
4: wondering maybe in the in the coming months or whatever that you could either devote one of these meetings or do a separate something about composition and when you talk about leading your eye into a painting and around the painting, the biggest thing about composition that I have found or have come across over repeatedly is your your center of interest needs to have the greatest contrast so but when we talk about your eye being led in and around and up and down around the painting I, I get lost over that so maybe at some in the coming months or something you could uh, devote some
0: time and and dissect that I like the idea of that. Let me tell you, just, like some of the, uh, the most common mistakes people make is if, especially a beginner, will have the object smaller in the center and surrounded by space. And then like a an, like a bullseye, which we don't want. And they also, as they, then there's also the range of values. A lot of times people put light and dark and maybe a middle value, a gray, but they are missing the mid-range values. We also don't want to have things going crossing and then having it right in the middle like we looked at one of the paintings. So we also don't want a lot of repetition. So yes, I think let's go ahead and focus on a a meeting like that in the future.
4: Thank you. I think that'd be good. I do have a general comment. Trying to find Arches, 300 pound sheets and they seem, well, probably earlier this week and maybe last week, Everything online seeming there's just about out of stock, even at Jackson's, which Arches, I thought, was manufactured somewhere around in Europe to where Jackson's would be the most likely source to get it first. But I think everything I've found is on is out of stock for Arches 300 pounds. I don't so, know. Has
0: anybody else run
4: into yes, this problem?
5: Yes, paper is really hard to get right now. We, we were trying to get some for our gallery because we like to have some on hand for when we have workshops and and people don't have their paper or they need a sheet of paper.
6: It's really hard to get right now. It could be connected to the supply chain situation with wood. So it might be a temporary shortage. Yeah,
5: I think it's just like she said, it's it's the supply chain and it's the workers and the fact that things have been shut down and they're trying to gear back up. And so it's, the, I mean, the, the big art supply store here in San Diego that I normally get my art supplies at, the last time I was in there, their shelves were bare. And I asked them and they said, it's COVID. We can't get anything because nobody's, nobody's manufacturing anything. And that's all the brands of paper? It's just arches,
4: so I. Don't know others. A local dealer here in town said they had a sheet of arches, three hundred pound for twenty nine dollars.
0: That is gold. <laughs> That's amazing. They're going to start taking bids on that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but you didn't try the Saunders or the. You know, we could you, we could think of this as an opportunity to test other brands of paper, and right. because you know just see and because that's what ended up happening to me i just had different paper and i thought you know for years i had it and i never used it and i ended up falling in love with it for different things my kelp will be on saunder's 300 pound Okay. Well, that's something we can just go online and explore and experiment. And so I'm going to let you all go. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're interested in finding more out about my workshops or memberships, go to beerkatoconor.com. And until next time, have fun and happy painting.